You know, God has a way of um, course correcting you when you get off track. And uh, this is, you know, this is not an uncommon analogy, but I believe it's where we're going to start. You know, when you use your GPS, how many love their GPS? I love my GPS. See, mom's from old school. She don't even know I'm talking about her. Mom doesn't use GPS, do you, mom? We're, get, we're getting there, aren't we? But, but uh, it, it, it'll course correct you. And, uh, you know, even if you make a mistake, everybody see that rerouting? It'll, it'll appear for a second. Okay, we're making an adjustment. And God is big enough, and this is what's amazing about him, is he can take everybody. I mean, you think about just little old you. You're just trying to do your best to follow God, right? I shouldn't say little old you. In God, you're not little old you. Amen? He's trying to get me to change that mindset. So I heard, nope, we're not going to say it that way. We're not little old us, all right? I reject that. <laughs> but just think of the people that are in this room. You know, how many do we have here? I'm not going to count them, but we probably have at least 30, maybe 40. Now think of every single call that's here. Every single call that's here. You know, it says in Ephesians, it says, when Jesus ascended up on high and he, he gave gifts unto men, right? Every single call. And when, now when the King James says men, it's talking about mankind, okay? Ladies, it, gifts unto mankind. Every single person in the body of Christ has a call that God gave you. Not you, God gave you. And God is able to work with your calling and work with my calling, take the pieces that are supposed to fit together and make them fit. And he's able to do that in degrees. He's able to do that with, you know, I don't believe, and what did Paul say? He says, I've not arrived yet, but I keep pressing towards the mark, right? Well, if Paul didn't claim to have arrived, then he was still growing. Everybody say growing. All right. So Paul did not arrive yet, but he was pressing towards that mark. Now, I don't believe that Jesus set a mark that couldn't be attained. I believe he set a mark for us to press toward it. Why would Paul say, I'm pressing toward it, if he didn't believe he could reach it? See, we are called to be imitators and like Christ. It was Jesus that said, everybody say Jesus said. The works that I do, you'll do also. Now, I didn't say it, he said it. And the church at large wouldn't like to believe it, and they mostly don't. They mostly don't believe it, even though he still said it. Um, I can't help it, it's there. If I, humility is agreeing with the things that are easy to agree with and the things that are hard to agree with. And if Jesus says, the works that I do, you'll do also, then I agree with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I know that wasn't just for the other church, because he said in that same prayer, he says, I pray not for these alone, but for all that shall believe on them through their word. That's you and me, amen. <clears throat> so he says, I'm pressing towards the mark. Well, we're all pressing toward the mark. And we may have not arrived yet, but we're growing towards what he's called us to do. It takes time and it takes retraining for the Holy Ghost to equip and bring people together and in unity. And uh, <clears throat> unity in the body of Christ, okay, Unity in the body of Christ is not 
what is often described as unity in the church when you hear a message about unity. <clears throat> Real unity begins not with me making sure I'm on the same page with every one of you. Real unity begins when I'm trying to make sure I'm on the same page with him. Right? If I'm endeavoring to be on the same page with God, if I'm endeavoring to follow God, it's my job to listen for his wisdom, listen for his direction, to get on his page. It is each and every one of yours individual job to do the same. The unity of the body of Christ starts first and foremost with our unity with the Father. All right. I know I said Matthew, but let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Okay. And we'll read this. We'll start here in verse 16. Uh, John 17, verse 16. He was speaking of his disciples here, but he's also speaking about everybody that gets born again. Everybody say everybody. Verse 16, it says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. What is truth? It says thy word is truth. If you need a definition, there it is. The word of God is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So he's comparing himself with us. Everybody see that? Everybody, see, everybody reading the same book? He's comparing what he's doing with what we're going to do. And he says, God, even as you sent me, I'm sending them. In the same manner that I was sent, I send them. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me, through their word. That's you and me. Everybody see that? That they all may be one. Now, look at this. This is unity. Everybody say unity. <laughs> that they all may be one. How are they becoming one? What is the oneness that he's praying for us to have? That they all may be one in this way. Everybody say, in this way. <laughs> As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. See, when Jesus walked around doing the works of the Father, at one point he said, he says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Every work he did and every word he said, he says, it's the words that, that the Father gave me that I've spoken to you. It's the works that I'm doing that the Father has done. And this is what the Pharisees were so upset about, is partially because they were jealous, but it was also because God was validating everything that Jesus did with his power. And he could not do the works that he did if God was not with him. What they hated about it was he looked just like you and me. <laughs> do you know he got tired? He was hungry. He sweat when it was hot out. Do you know that? He was a real guy. He became flesh and blood to be relatable. And see, what religion has done, and really it's the devil through religion, has tried to paint Jesus in a way so far away, almost like God again. And he is God, right? But he didn't come and become a man to be God. He came to be a man. 
He came to step foot on this earth to be relatable in all points tempted like we are. To have compassion on those that had infirmity. To have compassion on those that dealt with sin and temptation and could feel those things. See, God doesn't need water. He doesn't need air. He doesn't need food. But Jesus did. He came to be a man to show us the standard for how we're supposed to live. And we're called to be like Christ. All right. Now this is the unity that Jesus had and this is the unity that he's praying for you to have. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. And, and see, when we read that, sometimes our mind goes and jumps and it's almost like he's, we read it a different way. Like all of us, me and you and everybody that's hearing me right here, we all have to be one together. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that I have to agree with all of you on everything. He's not saying that we're supposed to, now, I'm getting there, okay? He's not saying that we're supposed to just get together in unity about one thing. What he's praying for, that's like getting the cart before the horse. How many of you know it, it doesn't take very many people to have disagreements? <laughs> Maybe two is all it takes, right? Two people and you'll have disagreements. You, you can't. Okay, he's not praying that everybody would just get on the same page, although that will be the fruit of it. What he's really, the solution is not for everybody to find common ground to stand on and let's hold hands and make sure everything's okay on what we can agree on, right? What he's praying for is something far more powerful. He's praying that me, myself, would get in unity with God. He's praying that you and you and you would get in unity in, with God and that we all, and what's, the, what's the fruit of each and every one of us pressing towards the mark to be like Christ? If I'm following after, if I'm pressing toward, let me see it this way. If I'm pressing toward a destination, let's say it's, all right, how many towns we got here? I'm from Melbourne. I know we got Traer. We've got Eldora. Where else? Conrad, all right, Marshalltown, all right, you guys are pretty close to the mark already. <laughs> See, so what's that? Haverhill, yes, Haverhill. So this one, this one location, see, when we get in our car, and if you were to punch in your GPS from where you are, we're all from different places, but we're all trying to come to the same place. We're all trying to go to that one place. We're all trying to come here if, now, you don't need your GPS to get to church here, hopefully. But if, you, but, but if you had to punch it in, we would all have different directions to get here, right? And see, when I get in my car to come to this place, I'm pressing towards the location. I'm, I'm pressing towards God like you're pressing towards God. I'm trying to get to this location like you're trying to get to this location. It's not about me and you trying to get on common ground. It's about all of us trying to go to the one place where God is. And then when we all get here, we're in unity because we're all syncing up together with one heart going for Father. That's what unity's supposed to be. It's, it's pretty much futility. If you need an example, you can look at government. <laughs> Our Congress. Now, that's the best we have dealing with the flesh, dealing with fallen man, okay? I'm not mocking that system of government. I'm thankful for God for it. It's avoided a lot of problems. It really has. But 
It's not about democracy. It's about you and the Father and you getting more of the Father's heart and you giving more of your heart to the Father. And as we all press into that together, we all become more unified as a fruit of the result. But the root of it is the unity with the Father. Does that make sense? Does that, okay, let's read this. <clears throat> that they all may be one, and, and he's not necessarily all of us be one together, but he's saying everybody have this unity, that the Father is, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that a, they also may be one in us. Now, what's the end result of this? That the world may believe. Everybody say believe. believe. That thou hast sent me. Now, I got a different picture of believing from the Bible than I do from today. Because when you look at the early church and when you look at the book of Acts and you look at the, at the apostles and the, what they believed and what they taught, how quickly and rapidly did they gain people to their cause? Within that one time period when the outpouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit was just first started, wasn't it 5,000 in, in that day? It was added unto them 5,000. And the word of God multiplied and spread even in oppression, even in Rome. Even where they were, they were, <laughs> Paul was hauling people off to be jailed and executed. And it was getting, th this gospel was being spread everywhere. See, <clears throat> that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So this unity that becomes, um, it, it starts with you and God. It starts with you and the Father. And as you follow God, it's like, okay, we're all headed to the same destination. And I start to see people coming parallel with me, coming to the same place. Does that make sense? And the closer you get to God, you're going to be brought in line with people that have the same heart as your Father does, that they want to see the same things. Now, each and every one of you has a different calling and are a different piece of the puzzle to make all of that happen. All of you are. But unity is so important. First and foremost, how we create unity in a church body is not by making sure everybody's on the same page. It is by, um, it is by forging your own personal relationship with Jesus and following him and spending time in prayer, spending time in the word, getting his words in you. And when that happens, there will be increased unity in the body. Does that make sense? I am all for, and I have no problem with, use and, and flowing in different circles, so to speak. Uh, I have no problem with <coughs> being a help to those and, and, um, and joining forces with those that maybe have different mindsets than us. I praise God for denominations that are out there that are preaching salvation. I really do. They're getting people saved. They're, they are manifesting the heart of God in, a, in the degree that they preach it, all right? But some of those same denominations that may preach salvation would tell you that the Holy Ghost and, and, and the gifts are gone. And I disagree. I disagree, and I think that that causes tremendous harm to the, to the believing uh, that the world needs to see. Because we live in a country with prosperity and open borders and we can, show, we can still share the gospel and I don't see the contagiousness that they had in oppression with consequence. But there was a unity that was there in their hearts with the Father and it's a unity that grows together. 
I in them, verse 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know. Everybody say no. I mean, knowing, <laughs> it's not a debate, it's a knowing. You, if you look at Acts or you look at Christ, the pattern he left, See, one of the, one of the, one of the doctrines that, that's propagated in the church is, was just for the 12 apostles, okay? How many people were in the upper room? 120. Didn't they all get filled? Right? And after that, they, got, they, they went to the Greeks and the Persians <laughs> and all the different um, uh, you know the Galatians and the Ephesians and they got filled didn't they let's go to um, let's go to Acts chapter 8 um, to verse 27 <clears throat> and this is Philip here and verse 20 says and, and he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia everybody say Ethiopia <laughs> a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb done before the shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest thou the prophet this? Of himself or another man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Everybody say rejoicing. But, the Philip, was, but Philip was found at Azotus, and passed through all, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, if the Holy Spirit was willing to go out of his way to get this eunuch filled with the Holy Ghost, born again. And when he brought him up out of the water, Philip was just translated away. Do you think believing was in his heart? Do you think? It says that there was joy. Everybody say joy. That the joy that was in his heart when he came up out of the water, Philip was translated away just like that. See, there is a believing and a joy and a knowing. What did Jesus say? That the world may know that you've sent me. We're not called 
to debate the world. See, what God wants in this earth is such a standard of his knowledge that there wouldn't be the question, oh, is there a God? That won't be needed to be answered. It will be, yes, there is. The question is whether or not you want to follow him, whether or not you want freedom from sin or you want the sin. That, see, God wants such a standard in the earth that that will be seen everywhere we go that God is here and the kingdom of God is being preached. One of the things that uh, they were sharing in the conference when we were there, and, it, and I, I know this, but I believe that there is a reality, a reality that's being birthed in our church and being birthed in our hearts. And you know, Jesus, he says, the kingdom of God is, ever since John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been preached. Do you know that the kingdom of God is as much here now as it was when Jesus started it. It is as much here now. When he went about preaching, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Now at hand, what's at hand? It means it's right there to grab. It's here. Everybody say it's here. The kingdom of God is here. It's here right now. It wasn't before, but Jesus came preaching. It's here. And see, when he says it's at hand, it means it can be grasped, it can be taken hold of, it can be received from. And Jesus was the forerunner, the beginner, the, our Lord and Savior and Master, and he is our teacher and our friend and our elder brother, and he came preaching and declaring the kingdom of God and said, it's here. See, and ever since it was released by him, it was supposed to be grown by his followers whether it was the disciples in Acts, and it wasn't just the 12, it was the 120, which became the 5,000, which became however many multitudes there were. And all of us, all right, the kingdom of God was there then, and the kingdom of God is here now, and it is still at hand. The only thing that keeps us from receiving it or reaching through with it is faith and believing and there is a stepping out that he's calling us to have. And there is a reality that he's calling us to walk in that says, I will not believe what I see any longer. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. <clears throat> One of the things I can remember early on when we were dating, Natalie and I, and I was living in Tulsa. And um, you ever have those times where God speaks to you so clear that you can write it down? It's just a... Is a quick rebuttal. Sometimes I'll accuse him of something or I'll say something or I have a question and every once in a while he'll come back with a quick rebuttal. And uh, <laughs> it's not always what you want to hear. You know, he doesn't ask you, he tells you. Uh, and I was sitting there and I have never had a headache ever like this. I, I never had one before and I haven't had one since. It was one of the worst headaches I've ever had. I don't know what a migraine's like. Maybe that was a migraine. I don't know. I was about passed out. It was so bad. And I thought I was going to have to go to the emergency room. I kind of uh, <laughs> made my way over to Natalie's apartment, and I knocked on the door. I said, Natalie, I have the worst headache. I don't know what to do. And I, at the time, I didn't have any, you know, ibuprofen or Tylenol in the, in the apartment. So I said, do you have any? And, and I was sitting there, and I was taking it, and I was praying and I said, Lord, I'm believing God for revival. I'm believing for change in our area. I want to see things happen like you say can happen. I can't, 
and this is my thinking, all right? I can't even believe you for a headache. <laughs> you know, I said, I rebuke you, headache, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and nothing happened. Now, you know, that's my thinking. Because you know, to God, headache is no harder than raising the dead. Do you know that? It, I just want to sit on that for a second. We put that distinction on him. He doesn't put it on himself. Anybody that's ever received any kind of healing, any kind of gift, it's been by faith. Period. All right? And when you, whether it's your faith or somebody else's. Now, when Jesus was operating, it was, a lot of times it was on his faith, but there were times where he would say, according to your faith, be it unto you, you know? But he was able to receive from God because of what was on the inside of him, the reality that was on the inside of him. He was not, he didn't believe what he saw. He believed what was on the inside of him. When he looked at situations, he didn't see the way things were. He saw the end of it. He saw what it could be. He saw what God said about it. That's why he didn't, he didn't approach things in fear. He didn't approach things in worry or care or stress. He didn't approach them that way because he, he didn't believe what he saw. He believed what was on the inside. And we're called to do that same thing. And I can remember I was sitting there and I was just so mad because I thought, I've been praying. <laughs> like you earn your healing, you know. <laughs> I've been praying. I've done a little bit of fasting. You know, I've read the word. I go to services. I believe in the gifts. And here I am trying to pray for my head to be healed. Why aren't you doing it? <laughs> like he didn't send Jesus to die on the cross. Right? Any, anybody else ever been there? <laughs> By his stripes we're already healed. It's not, it's not like, oh, I'm going to choose to heal you. But I won't heal you. Every healing you ever received came through Jesus and it's already here. The kingdom is at hand. Everybody say, at hand. See, it's not pick and choosing. It's the kingdom. It's available at hand. And uh, I was sitting there and I said, I don't even know if I said it out loud. It might have been even in my head. But I remember the thought at least. I can't even pray for healing in my headache. What is the matter? And he, this is what came back. And I did not make this up. I know it. I know where my thoughts are. And this was not mine. And he said, the reality that I healed you is not greater than the reality of your pain. That's what he said to me. He says, the reality that I have healed you is not greater than the reality. You believe the reality of your pain more than you believe the reality of the healing that I've done. That's what he said. And there's a reality. Everybody say reality. There is a reality that he's wanting to establish in our hearts that no matter where we go, no matter what we see, we believe what God says is possible, not what we see. <clears throat> and every single impossibility that stands there and says you can't go there, God wants you to kick it down. That's what Jesus exemplified. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he said as a standard for his disciples. Now, I've thought of this and I've complained to God about this and he, he gave me answers. <laughs> and he's, you know, one of the complaints I had with God is I says, it looks like your disciples were able to walk right in to, to gifts, to manifestations, to power, to miracles. When they just pray, stuff would happen. How come that seems so, anybody else ever have that thought? All right, so here's, let's just take Peter. Peter was, um, from the time he was called to Jesus, 
to the time he was filled with the Spirit. That whole span of time was four years, basically. Because Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. After Jesus died and was ascended up into heaven, the Holy Ghost came, and he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right after that, you see him and John going to the gate, beautiful. It says, silver and gold have I none, but touch as I have, give I unto thee, rise up and walk. And there he went. Everybody, everybody know what I'm talking about? From beginning to end, four years. Everybody say four years. And that's, I've been following God since 18. All right. And, I, and my complaint to the Father was, it seems like it's a whole lot easier for disciples to walk in this than it was for me. <laughs> right? And he, one of the things he's showing me is that they got to walk with Jesus and see what he did. And every time that Jesus was hit with an impossibility, what did he show? This is how he taught. He demonstrated and then he taught. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. And so when his disciples would say, we don't have food to feed all these people. Oh, let me show you. We're not limited by that. <laughs> Let's pray. And then he fed all of that multitude. So much so that all those people started to follow him just to be fed. <laughs> not even for the miracles. They <laughs> They just followed him to be fed. They wanted to make him a king. He wasn't stingy. <laughs> Neither is God. God's not stingy, amen. And uh, so then they were in the storm. And they woke Jesus up and said, don't you care? We're going to drown. We're going to die. And he says, peace, be still. And I think he was as much talking to his disciples as he was to the wind and the waves. Peace, be still. Now, I would do the same thing, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't. I'll use me. Sometimes when I'm driving, you know, <laughs> driving the car, <laughs> I'm not going to use anybody else. I'm going to drive in the car. Other people care how you're driving, you know. <laughs> don't you care? We're about to die. <laughs> And you can say, peace, be still. <laughs> no, no. But, but see, see, what was on the inside of Jesus? It definitely wasn't what was on the inside of the disciples. And do you know right after that, he says, why is it you have no faith? Now, why did he ask him that question? Do you know that, you know that question, right? He, told, he said to the disciples, how come you don't have any faith? Why would he ask him that? Because he was expecting of them to believe God like he believed God. You think he just accept, expected them to sit there in silence while they drowned? Is that what you think? Why was he asking him that question? How come you don't have any faith? Faith to do what? Faith to sit there in quiet? <laughs> That's not the answer. It's faith to do the works that he said we could do. To believe on God instead of what we see. And Peter, he even asked Jesus, says, if that's you out there, you ask me to come out and I'll walk on the water. And he said, come. And what, let's go to that. Yeah, thank you, Father. I don't know where it is. <laughs> hmm. Give me a second. All right, go to Matthew chapter 14. I'm just going to stop writing verses down. He never uses them, so. <laughs> just start. 
I'm just not going to do it. I thought I was past that, but whatever. All right. Matthew 14. We'll start in verse 25. 